This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter TWD30. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Casper. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting Casper.com slash watching dead and using watching dead at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we just watched season eight, episode nine, titled Honor. We're here to talk about it. What do you think, Aaron? I thought it was Hodor. No, no, you must have misread it. Mm. It's Honor. Uh, just one letter off, though. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, this, to me, in the Gimple era, is an above-average... Slightly above average episode of The Walking Dead that shouldn't be an episode of The Walking Dead. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I've said it before, I feel like killing off Carl is a, is is like a mortal wound to this show that already was arguably dying from existing mortal wounds. Yeah. So the fact that uh, they could rest some emotion after uh, of watching a young man die painfully in front of his father and Andrew Lincoln and Denai Guerrero pulling out all the stops to make me feel like I did feel things, right? But, like, even as that effective stuff was happening, I, we were cut to morgalize. Like, like it, it's like they riffle-shuffled a genuinely... S- quiet effective scene of a father and his stepmom mourning the 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 too young death of this this young man with a bunch of bullshit moralizing flip-flopping yeah so like i couldn't even enjoy the one thing that i wanted to enjoy about this episode which is saying goodbye to a character which i shouldn't have to say goodbye to so i thought it's interesting when i look around the internet there's like it seems like a very polarizing response of of people like you know what this is better than we've seen in a long time and other other people rightfully pointing out the many, many, many flaws of Greg Nicotero's direction and <laughs> staging and stunts and effects work and just basic kind of like plotting and, and scene blocking. And, yeah, I don't know. It's got 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, I saw. Slightly yeah. higher ratings than last season. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that... You know, if you were interested in The Walking Dead at all, you probably want to tune in to see The Death of Carl, right? Sure. And then I wonder, like, if this is going to be a post-Glenn getting his brains bashed out kind of thing where uh, the next few weeks just crash Mm -hmm. because you've got this surge of interest to see, okay, and then, all right, I can now stop. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't know where to start with this show. I Like, this... (laughs) This might be a fine episode, and when I say fine, I don't mean good. I mean fine, passable episode of The Walking Dead, but it's a, just a piss-poor episode of television. Like right. You mentioned the riffle-shuffling of the Morgan plot, the morgalizing that we've seen season after season after season, and then you look at what's I happening mean, we, with we, Carl, and it's co- more morgalizing. We coined that joke back when he was milking goats for cheese, man. Yeah, what was that, like, season five? Five, I think, yeah. It's, it's three seasons now of that. And and then you go to the other... He's gone through only... two full morgalizing cycles since there, <laughs> with has. a cycle of carolizing. Uh-huh. And, and now you, you go over and you look at Carl's plotline and what's happening there. It's more morgalizing. Yeah. He is morgalizing. He's trying to get Rick to change his position on this stupid fucking idea that everybody's going to be peaceful when there are Negans out there in the world. Right. And we can find a better way. Dude, you've tried to find a better way for eight seasons right. now. Right. It's not fucking working. And there is a middle path. Sure, there's a middle path, but we don't need to... I, I just you... cannot stand the flip-flopping of this show. Yeah. It's like they have one theme that they could possibly dream up in the writer's room. Right. And they're like, we're going to milk this for 20 seasons. Right. Yeah. No, I... you're fucking not. You're losing your audience. Yeah, and it's, it interferes with, you know, stuff. Because, you know, I uh, how many times am I going to complain about this this season? Uh this show was constructed, and the comic book was constructed. The show has been deconstructed slowly since season one. Uh, the comic book was constructed to 
tell the tale of a young man who is shaped by life experiences into being the ultimate post-apocalyptic leader that humanity needs to lead us back into the light. Okay? Hmm. Scott Gimple chose to take that, that, that basic script outline, wad it up, and now make it absolutely critical to keep, like, Rick and Michonne and uh, uh, Maggie on the company dime. Mm-hmm. Because if they get rid of those now, there is nothing. And then, you know, like if you didn't, I, I've heard some things, like some unkind things said about Chandler Riggs acting and like maybe you can't build the show around him. Okay, but you know what you could do? You could age it, you could, you could recast him as you could find a, a winsome 18 or 19 year old out there and recast him and then build the show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where the show goes from here. Um, I, I mean, it's so weird because there's still half a season of slogging through the all-out war plotline. Yeah. Um, but after that, like, I, I, don't, I don't know where it goes. I, I honestly don't. It's shocking how little happened for an extended episode. Right. I, Breaking Bad had more happen in five minutes than this entire episode had. Yeah. I, I mean, what did we see? We saw Carl die, which happened last season yeah uh and we saw ezekiel saved by yeah. morgan and carol that's literally it yeah and like there's all other couple of head scratchers like you know remember we're trying to desperately figure out what like you know what's the vision of snowball rick and mm-hmm. like you know what's this white head white beard uh rick doing and we find out that that's the the fantasy that uh, that 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 carl had mm-hmm I mean, I don't understand why we needed to see that at the beginning of last or of the beginning of this season. I don't know why we need to be teased with it. Like, wouldn't wouldn't that that have been kind of an interesting? I, I don't. It's, be, it's because they decided to make a three hour epic about one kid dying, and uh-huh. they did it poorly. Like, the, imagine if this was a movie that you went to see in the theater. Yeah. And the only thing that happened is at the beginning of the episode, a kid got bit. At the end of the episode, the kid died. Right. I don't know that you can hold an audience's interest for that long with that shred of a plot. And that's just all they had going. I wonder if they're trying to re... Also, I wonder if what they're really trying to do is build... They're going to essentially transfer all of Carl's plot lines onto Henry. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they've made Henry out to be this kind of little pint-sized psychopath, kind of the way Carl was... In the comics, post prison, or even in the show, like when he, and, he grabs the gun and just goes to town, you know? right? Like I, I, I wonder if they're just like reboot. Okay, well, we need you know for this 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 post all out war uh, plotline to be effective, we don't need a peacenik pacifist teenager. We need like a mentally unstable, might stick a broom handle through a dude's throat kind of guy that we can that we can redeem and 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 you know usher back into the light. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Before we get into the recap proper, I uh, just want to talk about some things that we've been doing since we've been away. Uh, just a partial list. We've been doing a lot of commission podcasts. Uh, just in the last few weeks, we've had uh, commissions for the movie Heat, uh, The Beat That My Heart Skipped, a fantastic French film, uh, Looper, the 2012 science fiction time travel blockbuster, and The Lost Boys, 1987's The Lost Boys. That's hmm. that's a pretty eclectic mix. It's a good lineup. I like it. Commission podcast. Uh, we've got one for The Exorcist coming out next week. Uh, we also have had a lot of first-run bald movies. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, a movie that a lot of people are missing, we saw last week, Annihilation. If you like smart science fiction, go out and see that in the theaters while you still can. Um, because Sony didn't get behind it, and it looks like it's bombing. Probably won't be around for very long, and that's that's a, that's a damn shame. Uh, finally, we'll be doing a first round bald movie. My wife and I, because Jim will be out of the country uh, this Thursday night, uh, we'll be previewing the Red Sparrow. I just alluded to Jim being out of the country. You are he he's going to Italy. Yeah, going to Italy for uh, eleven all, days. Eleven days with your, your, your with your brother. Mm-hmm. Going to go if you didn't know Jim Jones. Uh, uh, old school Italian American. What? what yeah, from no, way back. Old school, uh-huh. Since the day was born, Since, almost. Like yeah. you can't get, you can't, you can't rep it harder or sooner. Honestly, and he's going to visit the mother country. Uh, <laughs> while he's gone, I'm gonna be holding down the fort. We'll have a pretty standard release schedule. I've got some co-hosts uh, to do the. Uh, the 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 walking the the Walking Dead reviews essentially the Watching Dead 
some guest hosts that are going to be helping me out on that. And then uh, what's the other impact of that? I think, oh, I think I'm going to be back for not this next week, but the week after episode three right. of this half season, which is episode 11 of the season. Right. I think I'm going to be back for that podcast, but not the live watch. We'll see. But yeah, that's going to, I feel like I'll still be doing like the live watches for the club members and all that stuff. Um, just be doing it solo uh, until Jim gets back. Uh, shall we get into the recap? Sure. Okay. Uh, we begin as we did last, the first of the last half, the first of the f- last half season mm-hmm. with Red Rim Rick intoning My Mercy Prevails Over My Wrath as we fade to an extended Carl death dream of Jerry meeting Judith and seeing Sadiq, and he's such a winsome guy, and he can't be said no to, and Michonne and Rick are then now digging a grave in the present, I guess. Uh, We then go to the flashback of the doom of Carl, where he gets bit in his belly, and then they play a montage of Carl making peace with his his impending death back at Alexandria to the tunes of At the Bottom of Everything from Bright Eyes. Oh, fuck me. You yeah. didn't like that song. No, I hate this song. This this lead singer can't sing where the damn... I mean, I feel like he's... <laughs> He's kind of an off-brand Bob Dylan. Like it's like, and, and <laughs> it's fine. It's not the seventies anymore, man. And then the lyrics, you gotta be able to sing. <laughs> the lyrics are, <laughs> the lyrics are. I mean, they fit. Like you know, it's a. Ba- it's sure. basically about the contradictions of that you have to live on in in, in modern society, and I don't know. Um, but then we also flash back to find out. Like, I mean, all this shit is stuff that happened like three episodes ago that they didn't choose because they don't know why. They don't know how or or, or why to tell a straightforward story. But uh, Morgan is watching the Sanctuary. He starts seeing the clear the the saviors uh, hatching a plan. Uh, everyone is curiously passive about it. Mm-hmm. Like Morgan just watching through his scope, like what's going on? Oh, I see they're killing over here and they're killing over there, and I've gotten my 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 gun as well as several others trained s- snipers on the people they're instigating this. All they're stacking up zombies like fucking uh, 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 sandbags here. Should we stop it? And by the by the time fifteen minutes has passed, uh, the saviors open fire in a sniper nest, mm-hmm. and he has <laughs> to flee the scene. Yeah, it's shocking how quickly they they smoked out. Uh, Morgan's position when he hadn't even begun firing, no, he hadn't given away his position like, not I, at all. And I don't like man. Would it killed them to have Morgan kill an extra or two, and then the gunfire comes? Right. Like that would have made sense. He yeah. escapes with one of the most ill-conceived action scenes I've ever seen. He bangs his broomstick against a chain link fence, leads a moderate-sized zombie army down a alley. Mm-hmm. Five dudes with weapons come out, see Morgan, and then they see the zombies, and they they can't possibly spare a gunshot at Morgan. He just hobbles away as they <laughs> ineffectually deal with the zombies. It's like, yeah. you could do that with just a little tweak to the timing and the staging mm-hmm. and, and, and tell the st- story of pl- split-second timing, which would at least be visually interesting. As it is, it's just, it's the messed action scenes I, that that are in a show that kind of prides itself on action scenes. Yeah, I mean, it, all Walking Dead has going for it at this point is its gore. Um, uh, and and if you're into cool zombie stuff, this show is where you want to be, I guess. But everything else around it is crap. Uh, point in your favor, uh, now that we've caught up on shit that happened like three or four episodes ago. Back to the present as Carl kill or well, I Carol. Can't, I can't believe you didn't want to comment on Rick's beard. Rick's old man beard. I Like, I don't know... Is it the harsh Georgia winter? Do they need like face warmers? Do, have they killed like a a rabid possum or something and strapped it to his face? Because it looks just unbelievable. I mean, it's I guess it's Chandler's idea of what his dad will look like in five. Or, I'm sorry, it's Carl's <laughs> Carl's Gaming. idea of what his dad uh-huh. will look like in five to six. Because like, how old do you think Judith is? She to read to me like an eight, possibly ten year old. Sure. So yeah. we're talking. Five to eight years into the future, I don't think Rick goes full Santa Claus beard, but I don't know. Maybe. It's not the color of it. It's just the texture and the... I mean, it just looks like a really bad fake beard. I feel like at this point, Andrew Lincoln's like, you know what? Fuck you. Well, I'm I'm going to shave my beard and you guys will just deal. You want to do pickup reshoots of some gauzy bullshit Vaseline smeared on the uh, uh, camera lens uh, death... Thing for Carl, fine, but I'm not growing the beard out. 
Yeah. Too much salt. Too much salt in my pepper, and uh, it's not a good look. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm shaving it off. But also, it is. It's bad. It's, it's his fake. His fake beard looks, looks fake. Uh, I also like that Carl promises Sadiq that he's gonna have to only gonna have to stay in the sewer until he can tell his dad, like he can smooth things over with him, and he ends right. up. Turns out he stayed down there forever. He yeah. stayed down there from the moment Carl got him back yeah. until the moment the, they were attacked. The dream of Alexandria with the hot showers and the <laughs> right. you know electricity to play video games and stuff. That's 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 done. That's no, done. Never got to experience Alexandria. Uh, so like I said, back and Carl's here. basking in the warm sun. It's great. It's a great cutscene when you know that Sadiq is sitting in a damp, disgusting yeah. sewer, yeah, yeah. just waiting. Yeah, I'm, I don't enjoy that sun <laughs> on your face, Carl. Uh huh. Uh, so anyway, Car- uh, Carol is leading uh, the Kingdom refugees back to her cabin. Uh, she kills a disgusting walker that's tripped on one of her defenses and somehow managed to spin its head completely around. But cool scene. I mean, mm-hmm. cool, cool zombie yeah, kill. Yeah, cool zombie. Um, her cabin's wrought iron fence, no match for Reg's cold rolled steel, but any port in a storm, you know. Alexander's on <laughs> fire. Uh Morgan, uh, or Henry, uh, who is the brother of the kid, this name I can't remember, who got killed last e- uh, season, uh, comes up and says, Morgan taught me the stick. And he wants to fight, but Carol's not having it. So um, I don't even know why this conversation exists, because the kid just going to follow her to the kingdom anyway. Carol, yeah, it was really master surprising. soldier, master stealth master of blend like she cannot hear a 10 year old that's twirled a stick around you know following yeah. her I, I, I don't know and it's weird to me that they give it away like as soon as they get to the city yeah right they they as soon as they get to the kingdom they show a shot of henry running across a field right and carol spots him so right. that that was weird i don't know so we have a scene where Rick and Michonne are struggling to comprehend Carl's impending death, and they're in the sewers, and Rick and Michonne are casting around for some way to blame this on Negan and the Saviors, and Carl reveals, nope, I just got bit, and I did it helping someone. Mm-hmm. Which, here's another frustrating point. You could build a legitimate scene of a boy dying trying to convince his dad to do something different while his dad is also saying, but your bullshit got you killed. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I supposed to like like have an honest con- conversation about, you know, the pri- the 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 price of being a decent human being, and sometimes you have to pay that price, and other but they don't like Car- Rick is not allowed by the script to do anything that suggests that, you know, Carl is is not one hundred percent right. Sure. Except for to make things like, oh, the world's different, Carl. Things have changed. It's just different. I Except can't go back to being a gun farmer. It's just different. Like, They've no. been writing this same scene for five years now. Your son just got bit helping out a stranger. Yeah. No, this is the shit that I hate. It's it's the repetition of the same theme over right. and over and over. And that's the first thing is done I, with it. I agree with Carl's approach. I think Carl's approach is ultimately the right one, but uh, fucking sure. make that argument, man. And don't make every character have to realize it individually, right? Like, yeah. uh, wait for next week. Wait for next week because we have to deal with fucking Jesus. And Jesus is going to be the biggest morgalizing dick of all time now. Right. And he's going to do it in the face of Maggie, who... Is well, well within the right um, with all the stuff she's doing at the hilltop. So, I, man, I don't, I don't want to see next week, I, and I won't be here for next week. So, I'm super happy about that. Yeah, as we as we talked about in the show notes, there are going to be Jim's trash gonna people. Be, he's going to be ducking. He's, yeah. he's leaving me to do the heavy lifting on the trash people. Uh, okay, I don't know this guy's name. I just had it in my mind five minutes ago. I've forgotten. But but Negan's left hand man. Uh, starts with a Gavin G. Yeah, Gavin. Gavin. Uh, he's telling Ezekiel that he's gonna die in the stupidest, lamest way possible, Mm -hmm. and just doing this passive aggressive, like, "Look what you've made me do." Mm -hmm. And Ezekiel's not having it. He goes, "Look, I saved my people. What happens next to me is not. I don't. I don't even give a shit." Um, and it's so weird because the tenor, like, he starts like trying to reverse morgalize this weak chinned a thoroughly unimpressive idiot as if they're trying to do some kind of Gavin redemption plot. Which... And he tries it multiple times through the episode, yeah. And I feel like it's so you can build to a moment where Henry is not just immediately justified thrusting a a broomstick through this guy's neck. Right. You know, like, I I do feel like... like Morgan was going to change his mind. Yet again, yet again, Morgan was going to change his mind at the end of this episode, I think. Yeah. 
I don't know. He's got the stick out. Maybe but he's not. I just like, I mean, they, they have to, like, okay, let's try, let's have Ezekiel invest in trying to redeem this man's soul. Mm-hmm. Fuck everyone else that he's leading and commanding, by the way. Mm. Like, if we save him, it will be it will be something. But it's just, I don't, I, he's not a person who's sympathetic. And all of his, like, like Ezekiel never challenges on his bullshit when he's like, you know, I had a tight crew. I tra-. Like, bullshit Ezekiel should have been like, you did. yeah, what about rat-faced Jesus uh-huh. who started shit all the fuck? I had the tight crew and you fucked it up for me and you fucked it up for all of us and now you're going to die. Yep. Like, his point about, like, I wasn't trying to save my people, I was trying to save you, that was a solid point. But he mm. should have had, like, six of them against this motherfucker. Anyway, uh, Morgan and Carol hook up, but not, don't get excited, not in that way. No. Not like that, perverts. Not they, yet. They hook up in the kingdom. Morgan says they he's seen them have Ezekiel, and he's also seen Henry running around in mock. Uh, but they can take this whole compound. Carol wants to play the level stealth mode. Uh, but Henry's arrival complicates things, so she reluctantly agrees to kind of go on to a search-and-destroy mission of the saviors here at the kingdom. Uh, anything to, to chip in here? No. Uh, Rick uh, and Michonne help Carl to a cot. Sadiq kind of hilariously offers Tylenol. Mm-hmm. Uh, says, you know, it helped with my dad's mom's fever when they were dying. And, I mean, it's not nothing. It's just hilarious in context of this boy who has cost their son his life offering you, you know, chewable children's Tylenol or whatever. Right. Uh, and there are appropriate looks from yes. from Rick Yes, and this Car- whole scene, which I thought were pretty funny. Right. Um, Rick deduces he's a doctor because he calls Tylenol a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Right. Sadiq says, no, I was just a resident, which is... Essentially a doctor. That's yeah, good that's, enough that's a in the doctor apocalypse. who just needs to put a few miles on the odometer, yeah. and, and he'll be fine. And I will, every day of the week, cha- exchange a glorified babysitter for a doctor sure. in the zombie apocalypse. Like, I, no, like, Rick and Michonne and all of Alexandria has kind of traded up here. Yeah. No, we, we're not allowed to talk about that because Carl's <laughs> right. a beloved character. Uh-huh. But Sadiq on paper... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, having a fucking doctor? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, Rick isn't impressed with this man who Carl gave his life for. Uh, explosions start to rock the sewers because the saviors are up top just just pl- blowing the shit out of Alexander. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out in a bit. Uh, Michonne goes and begs Dwight to intercede, uh, but he can't because he doesn't have that kind of pull. Not anymore. Uh, he says, hey, just be patient. The saviors don't, ha- you know, don't have that much ammo and explosives. They'll run out, get bored, and leave. Um, Dwight's also skeptical of their everybody to the hilltop strategy because it's an all eggs in one basket problem. But Daryl insists that together we'll be Negan's worst nightmare. Even though just an episode ago I fucked up the whole plan, the right. united plan that we had. Right, right. I fucked it all up, but now we're united. Yeah, <laughs> Daryl's like, you, I, Daryl. I'm all on the team board now. Right. I'm all aboard team, team. How many times? How many times can we do this? When's the last time? When's the last time Daryl felt like a real character? I feel like it's Carol the, season four. Like it, it's it's it, like after after Beth died when him and Carol went back to this because like some people yeah. are going to say, well, what about the episode where he got stolen by Negan and his Easy Street? Now, I never felt like he was a real character. Like they they haven't really done anything interesting with him other than have his yeah. hair continue to get crazier and his voice Greasier. get gravelier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, it's sad because he used to be a thing. Remember when like Daryl. When Daryl dies, yeah. we riot. Mm-hmm. Are there still people buying those T-shirts? I'm not. Um, so Carol and Morgan skulk around the ruined kingdom, killing saviors as the opportunity to present itself. Morgan seems to be losing himself in the violence. Um, that's going to probably recap a lot of scenes. Uh, Carl spends his last few hours on Earth imploring his dad and stepmom to make the world a better place, as it seems the saviors are indeed wrapping things up with the boom boom. I mean, like... Carl's been dying this whole time. Uh, yeah. But they haven't really gotten to the meat of it. No. It's just like there's just so much just treading water in this episode. This is like all just prelude to the goodbyes that yeah. he's going to give to everyone. To literally everyone in that sewer gets a goodbye moment. Yep. One uh, by one. Uh, Morgan continues to insist on insist rather on ever increasingly risky savior kills over Carol's better judgment. He's going full on clear mode, Jim, mm-hmm. and not in the fun Scientology way. In the unfun, moralizing, what have I, what have these hands wrought? I must be a monk, kind of inevitable character turns, sort of not fun way. 
Uh, so we see, once again, Gavin, the least charismatic henchman in History of Henchmen, haranguing Ezekiel on how he just didn't want things to be like this. And then again, maybe should have done something about evil Jesus. Huh? <laughs> uh, more uh, Ezekiel keeps saying, it's not too late to walk back from something decided, which... What the hell does that even mean? Is he saying, like, it's not too late for you to, like, lay down your men and or your, your I, arms and surrender? I think it means you can change your mind. Like, in a nutshell, you can change your mind about all this. Because, like, you've decided to go down this path. And you decided to go down this path we're, swinging. We're heading down than, that path, but you can change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. The I only think one, that's what he's getting The at. only one keeping you here is you. But he, yeah. this guy's convinced. And here's the thing. This guy's convinced that Negan's going to win. And there's not really a lot of evidence to the contrary. Sure. Like, Especially right now, yeah. Right, because it turns out the saviors have infinite men and ammo. Mm-hmm. They just are never going to run out. Like, no matter how many dozens and hundreds Rick kills, they're always going to have more. Yeah. And I I can't wait until the middle of this <laughs> the middle of the second half of this season when we realize that the saviors don't actually have any ammunition problems at all. And right. all the shit they did last half of the season about worrying and fretting, oh, if we shoot our way out of this facility, we're not going to have any ammo. It's just going to be bullshit. Right. And the the show won't take that into account when it plots forward. I guarantee it. Right. There is no, there's no sense of scope or stakes or scale no. or what losses are sustainable and what isn't. And this guy... No, I mean, you look back at Alexandria when Negan came in and stole most of their food right. and all of their beds, and nothing seemed to change. Right. Nothing Because we can go get a, a fuck ton of guns from Seaside. How many guns? A fuck ton. And we can give but, them But I mean, there to... was nobody who was ever starving, right? Nobody right. ever said, I'm fucking hungry. Like, there was one guy, uh, back before the Negan stuff even happened, who was an asshole, uh, mm-hmm. Deanna's kid, I can't remember his name, uh-huh. um... But he was, like, the only guy who ever even thought about stealing a piece of bread, you know? Right. And he steals a bottle of booze. Right. Where is it? Where is the starvation? Where is the hardship? Where, sure. Like, I want to see some consequence for any action in this show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this guy, Gavin, who, again, is just the worst, shittiest evil character like this is a c-list character on the on z fucking nation mm-hmm. it looks like an evil bob ross after chemotherapy ignores zeke's implorations and orders his men into the royal theater to hole up after realizes that most of his dudes are dead it's another reason why he's the shittiest henchman yeah he M- morgan and carol have killed like a dozen of this guy's dudes and he doesn't know it until he picks up the radio to <laughs> s- you know to, to get one of them to come do something yep uh, there's a more gigazi flash forwards or dream sequences of some shit of old man Rick, uh, as it snaps back to the near future, I think, where, uh, him and Michonne are burying Carl. Is this Carl's imagination of what it's going to look like when his dad buries <laughs> I him? I guess, yeah. Like, it's so weird. It is. Fucking chart this timeline out. Um, the remnants are t- of Team Rick and the present are preparing to leave the sewer and make the trek to the hilltop. But Rick says, I'm staying with Carl till the end. Michonne agrees to stay with them. They keep the family together because, of course, it's the right thing to do. Daryl steps forward as the crazy uncle and says, I'll help deliver Judith to the hilltop alive. Carl says goodbye to his sister, fills her head with a bunch of pro-child, anti-parent propaganda. (laughs) Yeah, he's really making Rick's future life hard. You see these two, they're the enemy. (laughs) Only we know what the hell's going on. You got to show them. You got to pry their heads out from their asses, Judith. Can't even talk yet, Judith. Uh, and then uh, he also makes her take his stupid hat, and she cries hysterically because she doesn't want it. She doesn't want that hat. No, it's I don't sweaty, want this hat, Daddy. Dirty. It's covered literally in shit now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, gross. Yeah. All right, I want to take a quick second here to talk about our sponsor, HelloFresh, uh, for this episode. Uh, I've been watching a show from Gordon Ramsay, one of his many cooking shows. Called Hello Fresh. <laughs> no, no he, he's not involved in copyright infringement, not oh, at all, or sorry. trademark infringement. Uh, no, but he talks about, he, it's a home cooking show, so he's in his own kitchen, and he's cooking stuff, right? And he talks about the, the components of, of good home cooking are easy, fast, delicious. Uh, and I think that Hello Fresh hits all of those, as far as I can tell. Um, when you, when you, if you are unfamiliar with HelloFresh, uh, it's a meal delivery service which provides you with all of the groceries pre-proportioned that you need to cook 
um, as few or many meals as you'd like uh, in a week at home. And they are all fresh ingredients. They're very tasty ingredients. And the thing that I like about it is it's easy. It cuts out all of the planning and shopping time that I would have to spend to try and make a meal plan for a week. They just deliver that right to your door. Um, the meals themselves are actually really quick to cook. They they usually take about 30 minutes. Um, and I've always been satisfied with like how much flavor you get out of a meal that you cook in 30 minutes. It's surprising. Um, but their their meal plans are really good. Uh, and it's simple. A lot of there there are like a lot of um, one pot recipes, which I appreciate because I don't have a lot of pots. Uh, and so when I can just kind of combine everything and get like a really satisfying, healthy, tasty meal at the end of thirty minutes, that's a great thing for me. And I've been using them for a while. Well, I'd say that I as because I from a slightly different experience, you know, as a father with a small family, like I. I just have to cook and make meal plans uh, to make Ian's meat. And what I like about HelloFresh is that a lot of times you can get in a rut when you're doing that. It's like you just roll out the same old, same old. Uh, HelloFresh has new ideas and new meal plans. And, you know, once you cook it, you can keep their, like, really excellent meal plan. It has all the ingredients you need and the preparation instructions and are very clearly written with no fancy jargon. Uh, and it makes cooking fun and and easy and approachable, and it's a it's a it it's, does, it's, yeah. it's a fun thing to do with your family and like you know uh, my family looks forward to like Hello Fresh night because it's going to be something Dad's never done before and it's going to be <laughs> delicious. Yeah, and and the other thing I do like about it is we that we don't talk about as much as we should is probably the recipe cards that you get. Yes, because they're very very simply laid out. It, mm-hmm. it takes you step by step through exactly how to cook this meal and. It's pretty much foolproof. It's kind of Even fun from someone who doesn't really know how to cook. Because like I, all my recipes are on my phone, and like you know, it's like I've 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 had the feeling of like don't go, don't sleep, don't sleep, don't sleep. My hands are right. like all covered in fish and breadcrumbs, and ah, oh, damn it, I went to sleep. I'm gonna have with well, you know having the card there is yeah. super nice because it just doesn't turn off. Mm-hmm. It's that old paper technology that uh, that, that does, doesn't fail you. Yeah, so we actually have a special deal going on right now with HelloFresh. Um, if you go to HelloFresh.com and you enter TWD30 as the promo code, you can get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, and I would recommend you try it. I, too, have a recommendation. It's Casper uh, and their mattresses. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting Casper.com slash watching dead and using watching dead, all one word, at checkout. Uh, I've been sleeping on a Casper mattress mattress for like three and a half, maybe going on four years, uh, and it's as good as the day it first arrived at my house. Uh, you know, you spend a third of your life sleeping, you got you should be comfortable. It makes an immediate improvement in your life. If you're like tossing and turning and having trouble sleeping, upgrading your bed is one of the best things you can do. It has a breathable design that keeps you sleeping cool at night and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Uh, Casper offers a wide array of other products like pillows and sheets. Once you step up, that's the thing. Once you step up your mattress game, mm, then it's like, yeah. oh man, these 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 sheets aren't as soft and touchable <laughs> and breathable as I'd want. They're coarse and scratchy, and he's got to start. Oh, now these pillows are are fucking cinder blocks. And why am I sleeping on cinder blocks when Casper sells pillows? Like, you <laughs> check that out. They also give you hassle free returns if you're not completely satisfied. They deliver right to your door in a small. How do they do it? Uh, size box. I would say that my king size bed came in a package roughly the size of a zombie torso. Maybe yeah. two zombie torsos that's been uh, like, I don't know, duct taped together. That's sure. about the size it came in. And I think the mechanism for getting out is you just kind of reach in. You pull, reach in right? through its belly button sized aperture and you just start yeah. ripping mat. No, you, you actually, <laughs> oh. they actually provide you with the tool that allows you to just whoop, oh. open up the package and it flops open and, and, and within 10 to 15 minutes achieves its full size. They offer free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk free sleep on a trial. Again, Get $50 towards a select mattress by visiting casper.com slash watching dead and using watching dead at checkout. Those are all one word, watching dead. Terms and conditions apply. Sadiq comes up to say goodbye. Uh, he tries to assure Carl that his sacrifice meant something, and he's going to be bound to determined to honor his sacrifice and Carl himself by living his life in a way to demonstrate that value. He's going to have to master the first step of the dentist system. Uh, okay. So Ezekiel, King Ezekiel keeps saying that uh, the droning dandelion that is Gavin can stop all of this, and he gets slapped right in his gob for the trouble. Ezekiel says, man, I bent over backwards to avoid the war. 
I thought it was to save my people, but turns out it was to save your dumb ass and no more, which I think is the only actually solid, badass rhetorical point that's made in this whole fucking episode. Yeah. Uh, about then, Carol and Morgan make a boom boom at the rear of the theater. Oh, boy. But attack from the stage yeah, and the master of redirection. They just stand in the open and just hose yep. down the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, the saviors are almost instantly cut down from the gunfire, but Morgan eventually gets tackled, and I swear to God, <laughs> I know most of you people are not even watching the show. There's listening to this podcast for the grim comedy value of us being forced to watch something that you fucking won't, <laughs> but you've got to watch this particular scene, because this looks exactly what like what would happen if you asked a first-year drama student to tackle someone, and then you use that first take. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, frame by frame, this guy's tackle of Morgan. It's like, I mean, I mean I'm, what am I going to do? Act it out on the podcast? It's I like, guess, yeah, ooh, yeah, I guess for the video for the, thing. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, just, hands he, he's just like, has no idea how to square up and tackle a guy. And Greg Nicotero <laughs> said, cut, print, got it. Got it. You oh, know yeah. what? This might be the first time you've tackled a man. I don't know what you did. I don't know what you did. Yeah, you got it. That character has a history. You probably worked at a fucking PetSmart, you know, bagging up crickets for some kid's frog to eat. Like, you, you've mm-hmm. never tackled a man in your life before. You've always hung back in the back. I don't I Fuck, I don't know. Uh, Morgan escapes this by noticing the small wound in the drama student's belly. Mm, he yeah. then plunges his entire <laughs> fist in his abdominal cavity and rips out handfuls of intestine. Like, he's starting a lawnmower. This is... <laughs> This is he's trying fucking to pull start this dude's intestines. Hilarious, oh. absolutely hilarious. And like, here's the other thing about this scene. Okay, so it's awesome and hilarious and stupid when Morgan pulls his guts out, and I love that part. Yeah. What I don't love is that Morgan. The fight is over, right? The mm-hmm. fight. Everyone else in the except room for, is dead. Except Morgan, for dumbass and, Gavin, and this first year drama student. There's this guy on top of Morgan, punching him mercilessly in the face, just uh-huh. beating his teeth out of his head. Carol's standing there watching it. She's got a gun. Ezekiel's standing there watching it happen. Everybody's just standing around watching Morgan get his face pulverized. <laughs> She's on the fucking stage with him, five feet from him. Right. Put a gun to that guy's head and say, right. stop it, please. Right. Maybe she thinks this need, he needs some sense beat into him. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I guess she was waiting for the gut rip. Uh-huh. She knew it would be spectacular. Uh, so, Gavin, a.k.a. Captain Overbite, manages to scurry away. Because we gotta have a big morgalizing scene, and we can't have any morgalizing with all the antagonists dead. Rick and Michonne give continuing to give palliative care to Carl. At this point, realize that yep, we're going to watch Carl die for this entire fucking hour. Mm-hmm. He commands them not and a to, half hour and a half, please. Right. He commands them not to be sad and angry because people have control over their emotions. Uh, he does make a key observation that they need to start living for themselves as much as for the kids, like, you know, him and Judith and Mag- and Maggie's mm. baby. Like, you know, yeah. y'all have years left on this earth if you want them, and you need to start seeing reasons for yourself to live, which I thought was the whole point of Rick and Michonne getting together. Like, Rick realizing that, like, I'm not ready to just, you know, I don't know. Um... He adds that Michonne is his best friend, which harkens back, frankly, to better times and better seasons. Because uh, you remember when, like, Michonne and Carl first started hitting it off and how cute that was and how much chemistry they had mm-hmm. and how they have com- they just fa- completely failed to exploit any of that. Yeah. Uh, and Michonne tenderly and tearfully accepts their BFF status. Uh, Rick doesn't want Carl to die in a sewer and asks Michonne to help him move uh, him to higher ground. They help him stagger to Alexandria's church, which has seen better days. All that stained glass has been smashed. Most of the houses in the background are on fire. It's one way to get AMC to buy new sets. You just fucking set, burn them. Set, just burn them through the ground. Yeah. Uh, Carl thanks Rick for shaping him in the man he's become. Uh, appropriate to the church, he confesses some of his sins from his anger, angrier prison storyline days, how he shot a Woodbury youth who was trying to surrender. Rick absolves him of this, saying that you were just a boy. Carl says, that's the point, how easy killing got to be and what it was doing to him. And Rick saw that and changed himself. It can't all be about killing Jim. Okay. So I'm not going to rant and rave again about the repetition of theme here. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you this. I could could buy it if there was something interesting to say about it that had been informed by recent events that made it more than just the same conversation over again. Why is it more interesting this time? 
to have this conversation. I, like I said, I do think the in, the interesting framing is Carl saying, you guys have got to stop pretending like you are doing this for us, which is essentially enabling your policy of any extreme action can be justified because it's for the fucking children. Right? Sure, but what is what is the alternative here when faced with an enemy like Negan? No, I, I think this is a the right mess. I mean, but there again, this... What this, does Carl want out of Rick in this moment? I mean, because that's the thing. No one... Like, this kid's dying, but no one will say that literally Negan planting vegetables out in the garden and bouncing Judith on his knee is never going to happen. No, that is not a possible future, Carl. Right. Not, not as things stand currently. Because of who Negan is. Right. It's not up to Rick. It's up to Negan. And and there needs to be there needs to be an acknowledgement that some people, because of the damage they've received in this apocalypse or just their predilections for violence and mayhem, are just never going to fit in the society that you want to to, to create. And if they and have, those are choices they made. This is not something that right. you're inflicting upon them. That you can And have, if they have power, if they've right. already risen to power and they have the potential to wipe out your civilization which wants to be peaceful, right. how do you deal with it? And that's the thing, like if he had envisioned Dwight in that future gardening, that I guess I'd sure, have been maybe. fine because like that's a point. That is a valid point that you can't necessarily kill everyone from the savior complex because there's we know we know from daryl we know from other people that there are civilians there there are people who Mm -hmm. are suffering there are people who could be liberated uh that's the point why this show doesn't even know what fucking point it's trying to make i don't think do they really believe that negan is going to hammer his uh swords into plowshares here it doesn't seem realistic is that what the fans think is going to happen I'm not up on my comics, but... I, and then, I mean, Carl has to confront not only Negan, but guys like the governor. I mean, there, there are many, yeah. many of them out there, and they are not going to cooperate with your vision of the future. And also... Simply because you want them to. Maybe one out of a hundred times you could redeem a guy like Negan, who's that far gone. Yeah. But at what cost? How many of your own people are you going to lose? How many sabotages are you going to endure? How many... Uh, people are going to see this as like some weak bullshit prop uh, policy and be emboldened by your actions, like I, like Rosita did. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, fuck, nothing's gonna. Yeah. I got to take matters in my own hand. Like, they're they're, you know, I I just want to I want to put it out there. Maybe a sixteen year old doesn't have all the answers. <laughs> Maybe a writer's <laughs> room of sixteen people doesn't have all the answers. Like, I just it's it's just so boring yeah. at this point. Like, yeah. This point has been hammered home so many times. I'm done with it. Yeah. So, um, and then we get another gauzy uh, soft light fantasy future, uh, and this is where we re- that they reveal that that this is actually Carl's imagination all this time. Mm-hmm. And and again, I know I made this point in the beginning, but I I I honestly believe that this would have been a more powerful realization. Like, if they just showed this kind of, like, beautiful uh, future as Carl is dying and we understand that it's his hope for the future and, like, it kind of hangs in the balance because it's up to his dad. But the fact that we've been teased this and how it, how ridiculous it all looks, it has zero impact. And it actually kind of distracts from the things that do have impact, like, you know, Carl saying goodbye to, like, fucking Rick. That's a powerful moment. It should be. Yeah. It's too damn bad that so many other people who are fantastic actors... Like, you know, Maggie and the the woman who plays Enid, they also have close connections to Carl and have been, you know, either have a personal connection to him or have been there from the beginning. It's too bad that our cast is just fucking everywhere that no, that everyone can't kind of share in that moment. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Uh, let's see. Outside. Uh, he also says that you don't need to to kill me. I can take care of myself. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man now. And outside, Rick and Michonne wait for the gunshot, break down when they hear it, which again... Uh, this and then burying their child um, is is a really beautiful moment. And it's immediately undercut by a smiling Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, <laughs> grabbing Judith and bouncing on her knee in the garden patch and saying morning, darling, or whatever the hell he says. Like, okay, okay, that's enough, Carl. Uh, <laughs> now, I made this into a coherative narrative. Yeah, but, but you oh, need to not. understand that every fucking sentence I said is going to be undercut with the sentences I'm about to say because <laughs> right. that's how this shit was filmed and staged. Morgan hunts down a man. Uh, 
Gavin, who was almost certainly a manager of a Toys R Us in his former life, <laughs> he begs Morgan, then he threatens, then he does the whole killing me won't change anything bullshit. This is the guy that instituted the uniform policy at Target stores. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need chinos. I need. Yeah. I need red polos. I need a people, red shirt and khakis. And God damn it, if I see anything else. What was the polo joke we had in the live watch last night? I feel like mm, there's a pretty I solid, solid polo joke, but I can't. I couldn't remember. We were organically coming up with things that Gavin looked like <laughs> that was was pretty pretty top notch. I forgot half of those too. Uh, anyway, uh, Zekel tries to talk Morgan down for some reason. Carol tries to talk Morgan down for some reason. It's not effective. Carl is winding up to kill Gavin when Henry beats him to the stick. Morgan jab- is, not Carl. Did I say? You said Carl was going to kill him. Oh, sorry. Morgan's yeah. about to kill him. Uh, when Henry beats him to the stick, jabs it right through Gavin's neck, missing yeah. his weak chin, which <laughs> probably would have caused him to just explode like Glass Joe and <laughs> Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> Uh, and Henry says, I had to. And Carol starts to scold him before the King Ezekiel waves her off, and he promises Henry that all will be resolved, which, like so many other things, King Ezekiel says, I have no idea what that exactly means. I think he's handling it better than Carol is. But, sure. But Henry needs to watch his back at this point, because Carol has killed kids for less. Yeah. She will She will destroy you, Henry, if you give her the chance. Right. And that's the thing, like... Carol has done a bit of, you know, gone through her little morgalizing spiral, too, mm-hmm. um, which makes a lot of this stuff just really silly. Yeah. And then Rick meditates beneath a stained glass hung tree, which is a beautiful shot. But where the fuck and is this place? He looks and gut shot. He looks like he's been shot in the gut. I think it's the same because I actually backed up and it looked like he's wearing the same outfit. I think this is <laughs> well, this. That's, that's just Rick. He wears the same thing every day. Fair. But I thought he also had the, the gut wound in the uh, uh, saying goodbye to Carl scene, too. Maybe. Maybe. But I feel like this is later this day, but I don't know where it happens, and I don't know where this How tree is, there. and I don't know yeah. why there's stained glass windows tied to it. Perhaps we'll find out. I think that's the point of and it, And the yeah. season nine premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh... And perhaps we'll be there to watch it. This is this is Judith's vision of the future. <laughs> yeah. She just really likes stained glass. Now, she's taking Carl's message one step farther. Like, yeah, we don't have to listen to anything the parents say, but we also need to leave them to die under trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's her policy. She, yeah. she has paralyzed Rick from the waist <laughs> down with a vicious knife to his spinal column. Yep. And he's, he's just sitting there against a tree waiting to die. Yeah. Um... Good thing his mercy overcame his wrath, though. <laughs> okay. That's the episode, Jim. That's it? Okay. That's the episode. Good. So we, as we said in our preview podcast, are doing a new policy where we essentially are going to do an email of the week. Yeah, you wouldn't believe how much time it cuts out of the process. Um, Just finding an email that you want to read of hours. And, and, yeah. uh, and then selecting it and reading it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, our goal for this season is shorter podcasts. Hopefully less redundant whining and bitching, a little bit funnier, and just just streamlined because, um, you know, make no mistakes and give it as many one-star reviews on iTunes as well. I no longer enjoy the experience of watching The Walking Dead. No, no, I still enjoy the experience of podcasting about it, but, like, doing a a two-and-a-half-hour podcast on it seems a bit much. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, if you'd like to run the email gauntlet to get your email read, you can do so at watchingdead at baldmove.com. Jim, what's our highlight? What's our what's our email o the week? All right, I pulled this one because I thought you, that it's you pulled up. it like like so many guts through a belly button. <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> I found that that tiny hole in the mailbag, and I just pulled until this email came uh, streaming out. Seems as good a method as any uh, because it sums up a lot of the problems that I had with this episode overall. Could we um, print out every email we get, put them in Ziploc bags, get a whole pig carcass, shove them in there? And then we we just we just we just reach in there and grab one out every week. I think that's an episode of MythBusters. <laughs> Pretty sure <laughs> it's, a, it's a human analog. Yeah. Uh, all right. Email of the week. I'm excited. Uh, Cindy M writes in and Hi, she Cindy. says, uh, I, "I don't know if this part is something I agree with, but she starts off with the worst episode I have ever seen. I've seen worse. There there were trash people in a few mm-hmm. last season. And my, but but it is it is." It is interesting watching a show make an unforced error, like killing off Carl. So, yeah. you know, a big argument for structurally and just kind of a meta, maybe the worst ever. Yeah, structurally, it was very, very bad. Um, 
So she she goes on, there were a couple of good lines between Carl and Michonne. The rest was garbage. I couldn't even get into being sad for Carl because the scene would cut away to Morgan going psycho. I'm also tired of the group acting like Morgan is wrong for killing now. They begged this man for seasons to get rid of his all life is precious mantra. He finally does, and they act like he's going too far. The writers are idiots. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's the story of The Walking Dead. You swing from one extreme to the other with these characters, never, ever, ever finding a balance and repeating your themes over and over. Now, I think a defender of the show would say the cutting between Carl and Morgan was precisely the point because they're trying to show a connection between these characters and the, like, you know, Carl is dying with this this philosophy of peace where Morgan is living with this philosophy of death. And my response is, I've seen this 15 times already, mm-hmm. and you're fucking up saying goodbye to one of the most... Like, I'll put it this way. We got two fucking characters in our logo that are still in color. <laughs> because we got we a gotta season... We got to remove one of them, yeah. We, and, and now there's only going to be one. Yeah. It's Rick Grimes and Carl, and Carl's now going getting the black and white treatment. That should be a moment. Mm-hmm. And that moment does not need to be interspersed with scenes of shit that we've already seen this other character go through three times absolutely at a minimum absolutely so i understand what a better show and better director would be trying to do here and it might be effective but you cannot act like this is in a goddamn vacuum because no honestly not. like if if i were here's what guy ferrari would do uh i think in this situation guy, think- guy ferrari would would have taken a look at where all the characters were going um back in Season six. Right. And Guy Ferrari would have said, what is the most interesting thing to do for Rick and Carl's relationship here? Right. And I think it's to put Michonne somewhere in the middle of it. Mm. Um, because Michonne has been important to both of them. For yeah, like what if reasons. Rick is attacking Carl for being stupid and allowing himself to die because he's helping a stranger? Yeah. And Carl's trying to push this peace shit and Michonne's in the middle trying or, to be like, your son's dying and you're, you know, you're trying to say <laughs> right. goodbye to your dad. Can we... And like, like, yeah, that would have been. I, I. Well, I'm going to take it one step further, and I'm going to say Morgan shouldn't have been the focus of this other half of this episode. It should have no. been Michonne. Like, what if Michonne is out there doing the things? Michonne has gone down a path that Morgan took, right? Right. And Morgan, uh, Michonne is now the one that Carl is talking about as being too far gone or right. or doing things wrong, not the way he sees them. Then it becomes interesting for Rick going forward because Rick is going to have this tension against where Michonne is. Rick and Morgan being set up for attention isn't interesting. Like, and, let me t- let, and it's been done so many times already. And then let me tell you, I was actually kind of wary of this episode because I thought it might jerk some tears out of me. Because I remember <laughs> Scott Gimple back in the days where we hated Lori Grimes. Mm-hmm. We hated her so much that we announced that we were going to have a Fiesta podcast celebration on if she ever dies. Yes. And then Scott Gimple wrote an episode that had such a powerful moment between Lori and Carl that we actually felt bad for the resulting Fiesta cast. Yeah, we did it, a but little we bit. felt bad about it. I mean, in retrospect, I don't feel that bad. It was a pretty funny concept. Lori was. was a terrible character. Yeah. But, but even with all that working against it, getting me to feel genuine emotion between Rick and Carl and Michonne should have been a fucking layup. And, yeah. they f- and, and it, it worked a little bit. Mm-hmm. But not nearly as well because they just they just fucked it up with this with with this intercut to Morgan for yeah. some kind of weird style premium drama cred that they don't even have. No, they they don't. And there are ways to do this, but it's to give the scenes room to breathe. And I mean, here's the thing about an episode of television. Yeah, it's supposed to be self-contained in its theme. I think. Like yeah. when you go for something, you want all of the plot lines of that story to relate to each other. Mm-hmm. And you don't need And in that regard, you don't need to intercut them mm-hmm. to get that to work. You need to do like to just make sure that the themes are there and then mm-hmm. you can position the the individual scenes kind of in a in a separate location. You could divide them a little bit more so that you can feel the impact of those scenes while you're in them as opposed right. to cutting so quickly back and forth between the two to try and make some thematic point. Let it stand on its own. I mean, the most powerful scene in my mind was Rick and Michonne on the porch of the church, bracing for hearing a gunshot they know is going to come, and then them losing their shit. And to me, a much better episode just ends there, fades to black on that. Yeah. Uh, But we, this is not a much better episode. Imagine if they had showed them waiting on the porch and then cut back over to Morgan and then cut back again to right. show the gunshot, and then cut away again. And right. Like, yeah, I mean... That's essentially what they did all episode, except 
in that scene, they did give it a moment to breathe, and it worked. Right. But, uh, but you know, uh, we could go on and on about the same things and and find ever creative ways to describe the failures of the show. Um, I, you know, like I said, it's it's curious because I feel like, especially on our forums, people are a lot more positive about the episode than I would have uh, supposed. And but then. It's so weird because I went to r slash The Walking Dead and it was in full kind of meltdown hate mode. They have like <laughs> an official fuck you Scott Gimple mega thread stickied. Oh, wow. So people can wow. vent their displeasure at Scott Gimple and what he's done to the character of Carl and to the show's future. And it does it seems especially mean spirited when he's essentially leaving the show to make it's 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 a Mazera killing Andrea all over again. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I don't I, I don't get it. And I'll I guess it'll be interesting to see how the fan reacts. Like it will the episode or will the ratings next week take a tumble? Will this be the beginning of like slightly better storytelling that puts The Walking Dead on a st- stable path that they can find some future? I read an article where they're trying to negotiate with Laura Cohen to come back for season nine for She's for maggie signed on for a pilot of a different show i guess which is bad the lead bad news because they she is not under contract i understand not yet no so she can just fucking leave and they're building her as the like wouldn't this be a wild season eight if almost all of the leadership leaves mm-hmm. like if daryl Daryl doesn't come back, and Rick doesn't come back and michonne doesn't or uh, uh maggie doesn't come back and obviously carl's not coming back um, Morgan is going to a different show, like walking so we will have dead, yeah. we will have Morgan to kick around anymore. Uh, poor Melissa is the la- like one of the last of the Darabont, uh, after, after, especially after uh, Andrew Lincoln goes Darabont like loyalists. Like, is she going to be coming back? I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the show looks like in half a season. AMC doesn't know what the show looks like in half a season. That's the point. That's the that's the truly scary thing. So, are we gonna? Do we have? Uh, uh, do we do we have a, a spoiler section anymore? Where we're talking about the comics and stuff. Or I don't think so. I like to me the spoiler section is beyond useless because this show is just not going to be the comics. They're not telling yeah. the same story the comics are telling. They're going right. to I remix mean, it... elements of it, sure. Mm-hmm. But this is a statement that the comic book continu- continuity that's been built over hundred. 60 170 episodes uh, episodes or whatever they're up to now is is gone yeah um so yeah you simply can't do the same things with henry if that's who they're going to try and replace carl with that you can with carl right he doesn't have a father in this place you know right. you're gonna do it with carl or henry and ezekiel right i mean you could try it it's just not gonna I mean, feel like the same. i said you can you can get me interested in a surrogate father figure with a surrogate son trying to teach him the way in the zombie apocalypse however i find i find ezekiel a hard dude to kind of get in his headspace uh and and also you would have to have really good writers uh to do that and i don't think this show has that so no they don't and if you're gonna shit on chandler riggs acting then i think you can equally shit on whoever plays henry oh watch Watch if you want something funny. Watch Henry when he's in a scene with other people and he's got no line. He's like uh, just kind of looking around. He's got like he, like he's he's just short of putting his hands in his pockets and kicking the ground. <laughs> no one has given him any direction for like what he should be doing or what what his what you know what it's like. It's the poor kid is just 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 cut adrift. Yeah. So I don't have faith in a direction. I have faith in a writing to make that story as powerful as Carl and Rick's already fucking was. Yep. Even after all of the bullshit from from for this, that's gone down over the years. So, uh, good job, Chandler Riggs. Uh, you wrung some emotion out of me. You got really you got really fucked over uh, by the people running the show. Uh, I hope you go on to bigger and better things, study hard in college, and maybe you can come back and surprise us with something in the future. But you, you got de- you got done dirty, kid. Um, and that's no lie. And so have we been done dirty, the fans of The Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, that's it. We'll be back next week. Uh, actually, we I will be back yeah. next week. I've got two guest hosts lined up. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be familiar with them. I don't want to. I'm not sure which one's going to be first. I haven't worked that out yet. So Mm, we will have. Here's here's the problem. You might only need one of them. Oh. 
Well, I don't think, think I'm going to be back. I don't for think the either one week. would be like, oh man, if yeah. we turned out, or if you just want to like have another day to relax after you come back jet lagged <laughs> as fuck deal with from the being Walking halfway Dead. around the globe. And but yeah. we're, there's going to be two solo live watches where I'm just going to watch Walking Dead unassisted and see how that goes. Uh, and then I'll have guest hosts lined up for while Jim is off to Italy visiting his motherland, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back regular schedule, just less Jim. So yep. maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. Uh, maybe the constant intercutting between the hosts is what's what's holding this <laughs> this podcast back. Could be. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. Later.